everyone. I'm Nicole. Hello, I'm Earl. We're the Poisers, and this is the Mix Up, episode 19. Yeah, it's been a long time. A long, long time. <laughs> um, but, hence, this is life, and we yeah. just learn to navigate around it and try to do the best we can to, you know, uh, do this podcast and keep it going. Um, but, you know, of course, within that time within that interim there's been a lot going on um in the world in america um and we just try to basically keep our head above water follow it all and uh you know, just try to also explain to our son we go as best as we can for a four-year-old what is going on and what the implications are i guess moving in and us and just people in general so um, yeah just we're back and it is uh march 26th it is air max day happy air max day mm-hmm. for those in the know um yeah to your point real quick um so i recently stopped um, so, backing up, in 2020, um, after the murder of George Floyd, I spoke up during a department call um, because, you know, we were experiencing all of the raw emotions around what had happened as a family, and so... I was having a hard time sitting while everybody asked, how how was your weekend? How is this? How is that? Let's pretend like there's nothing else going on in the world except for work stuff. And I could not um, accept that as being okay. And so I brought it up at the end of our call that, you know, we were not okay and that there are people who are affected by what was going on. And from that, I started a weekly open discussion call with my department where we talked about all of these topics and subjects, um, shared articles and podcasts, documentaries and books and the whole thing. And after, you know, just under two years, I've realized that life, while for us here, it is not quote-unquote normal in the sense that it is for most folks out there um i i realized that it was best to end it and turn my focus into other ways where i can hopefully you know change perceptions and make people aware of issues and what what else is going on out there that um, affects so many people and so we just um had the last one on Friday and you know I think that it was very hard for me to end that because I felt like if I wasn't doing that then there were going to be people who were not focusing on it on those things but I also realized that I can't be the gatekeeper I can't be the person who consistently shakes people awake so to speak Um, in that way and so you know for my own 
mental health and energy and the energy I spent on that to focus it back on us and Nico and part of what I said on Friday was kind of what Earl said too you know Nico for his young age he knows that there are things going on in this world that affect certain people like his dad um, differently than others and my hope for him and I know our hope for him is that he takes all of these messages that we are passing to him and he spreads that to his friends he shares that he talks about it he speaks up if something is not right if he's in a class and something doesn't make sense to to speak up and say no that's not how it is no that is wrong defend friends have friends defend him you know that is our hope and that was my long-winded way of saying you know while one part of the chapter of making people aware of these issues is closing, I'm hopeful that I can continue it in another way to make an impact on people who generally wouldn't be aware of it otherwise. Yeah, amen. Um, you know, but uh, piggybacking off of that point, um, I heard a profound statement the other day and I Forgive me for not remembering the source of this uh, quote, this paraphrase, but it was something to the extent of us as black people needing accomplices and not just allies. Because mm -hmm. the thing about accomplices versus allies, an accomplice will be your ride or die and they will be the type of individual that knows that they have something to lose but regardless of that knowledge they're still going to dive into the situation with you and be there by your side through thick and thin knowing that even under their privileged circumstances they still won't be there with you they could be you know i can call you up at whatever time of the night you could be in your palatial mansion and you tired and run down and had a bad day and all that but as soon as you hear my voice you hear me calling you hear that I need you for something whether it's robbing a bank or whatever you down to ride and you coming through and you know you got a lot to lose but you putting all that caution to the wind and you coming through an ally is the type of person who will not necessarily have skin in the game but sit on the sidelines cheering you on and saying go team go but at the end of the day they're not really getting in the trenches getting dirty and they can just pack up and go home if they feel like their team is losing and feel like their team's not going to be able to make a comeback and so that's an ally to me we need accomplices we don't need just simple allies you've had allies for years and years and years and years and it's gotten us nowhere because these same people that have put in have put a, uh, you know, these corporations have put black boxes on Instagram and all this, and using all this platitude and these beautiful rosy words to say how much they support black people in the cause and this and that, um, i.e. the NFL, uh, corporations like that, and just using pretty words, it's not really getting us anywhere. It doesn't move the needle. Um, it doesn't bust up the. The, the, the table like you know 
there's a story of, uh, of of Jesus, you know, going into into a, a marketplace and throwing up everything and and, and saying and, and and all of this because people were selling things in the place that they weren't be supposed to be selling things in a place of worship and you know he he's like this is not the way this is not what we what we what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to throw caution to the wind and 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 mess things up because we mess things up but we build it up again and so people got to be willing to to smash things and build it up again because the way we're doing it right now through 2022 obviously has not been working you know and I'm not a religious man or nothing like that but I just thought that parable that story was was um was apt it makes sense it makes sense it does it's just like basically not playing nice anymore we've been playing nice for way too long yeah and I kind of said that too on Friday I said you know all of the things that led us to have these discussions are still going on like that yeah, there was a tension and focus and a groundswell and a lot of stuff going on. However, you know, there's, this is still happening. There's, you know, I shared the story of the, tra- about the traffic stop in Tennessee most recently. You know, thankfully, he is still alive to tell his story. However, he had to go through that experience and be tased for no good reason. But you got to go into that because people may not know what exactly what you're talking about. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. This is, that's me thinking that people know, right? Not, not yeah. everybody's going to know that I know. just because the I media was, doesn't. Right. Right. Um, yes. So thank you. Um, it was, I don't know which Part of Tennessee it was um, but there is footage that was made available by the driver um, who started recording during this traffic stop he was um, actually I think a DoorDash driver it was food delivery um, and his name is uh Delane Gordon um, and so he was pulled over it's in a college Dale um, which is a small town um, and he had asked why he had been pulled over what was the reason for the stop and you could see in one of his hands he had his um, driver's license handy uh, and he wasn't getting an answer as to why he had been pulled over and he had then asked the officer who pulled him over to contact his supervisor because he wanted to talk to the supervisor also and say, I don't know why I've been pulled over. You're not telling me. I need someone to give me an answer. I'm not getting out of a car. I'm not doing all of these things if I don't even know why you stopped me in the first place. But of course, the officer didn't like that and started yelling at him to get out of the car and reached into the car and tried to forcibly remove Mr. Gordon from the car who still had his seatbelt on by the way and 
then when that wasn't working, took himself out of the car, took out his taser, and tased Mr. Gordon. Last I saw, the cop was still working, was not, like, on any sort of modified duty or leave of that whatever, and there had been, the body cam footage had not yet been released, but they were working on releasing it, which I don't even really know what that means. To me, that means editing it, but, you know, whatever. Um, and that is the traffic stop that I am referring to. and so just yeah like that's still going on like that stuff's still happening it hasn't gone away you know there is no justice for for these cases because they're still happening right and they're still still waiting for accountability on others and you know we're still in this cycle and so while the world starts to go back to normal after covid normal is very has a very different meaning for a lot of people yeah and that's sort of my point is our normal as a family is very different from a coworker's normal and their family because they don't have to look at all of these things on a regular basis or pay attention to them or even know that they're going on. Well, when it's not part of your realm, it's not part of your world. Right. Um, That in of itself is a privilege. Yes. Right? So this is what we mean uh, when we say white privilege because there are certain things in which you are not privy to, which you are mm-hmm. ignorant of. Yep. You're not exposed to. You don't have to talk about with your children. You don't have to talk about with your mates. Yep. You don't necessarily have any uh, familial stories, anything like that. Yep. Um, because there are many stories I know of where black people can go back in time and say wow that sounds awfully familiar I've had the same thing happen to me um, you know and it's not even just about necessarily life and death but it's about dignity um, it's about treating someone as a human treating someone as if they are they matter as if they mm-hmm. are also um, able to be uh, treated as if they, as if the makers of the Constitution, mm. you know, because everybody's talking about, you know, constitutional and, and this and that, and my I know my rights and da da da, this and that, but then when you hear a story like that, is as if the Constitution definitely goes out of the window for certain segments of the population because yeah. it doesn't apply to you. Um, you know, unlawful entry and all this type of stuff and um, searching people without reason, yeah. um, just encroaching on their basic rights and things like that and not even feeling like people deserve an opportunity to understand why you're detaining them or what they've done wrong and things like that so this 
all is under a encapsulation of just basic decency and humanity and when some people are not given the privilege of having or indulging because certain segments of the system don't believe that they deserve those Mm -hmm. privileges Um, so you know it's it's something in which many many people have to constantly face and constantly be wary of when they're going in their cars or walking down the street or going into a department store walking to to uh meet someone and wondering if they're going to get home safely and without any incident and things of that matter you know sometimes i have to think about that you know just like hopefully you know when i see cops i just don't even like looking them in the eye i don't even like being in their presence it's just something just it's just like a instinctual type of reaction where i'm just like just gonna go the other way even when i need directions like you know i might begrudgingly go and ask a cop for directions if there's no one else available but make I I sure make damn sure that they're not going to be the first one I ask. That's for sure. Um, just because I know what the experiences of being a black man here in America is, especially when it comes to authority. Um, because you know things can just go instantly left out of nowhere. So, um, but you know, this is the reckoning that America still has to come face to face with with race and class and all this type of things which we this is why we still find ourselves in these situations because Mm -hmm. America and Americans don't want to face the realities of what it is for certain people here in this nation and has been historically Um, so you know that's, that's, that's where we are and you know once again, hopefully we'll change. Hopefully the mm-hmm. future generation will make it a, a much better place to live and to operate and to work in for yeah. their generation and so on and so forth. So Yeah. And before we jump into what we were going to talk about, I did want to make mention of the Crown Act because that did pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and... For those that are unaware, um, the House passed a bill which bans race-based hair discrimination at work, um, federal programs, and public accommodations. So the Crown Act stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. It, of course, passed along party lines, no surprise there, and heads to the Senate. Um, for a vote and I just wanted to throw that one out there because I know that has been a long time coming and while some states have passed their own versions of that um, having a federal law certainly is a major thing um, but it, it always brings me back to the fact that we need federal laws to tell us to be good people or you know not discriminate based on hairstyles based on skin color based on gender based on 
a sexual orientation. Like, we need federal laws to tell people to just not be a-holes. Um, and treat people with respect. So, I just need to remind myself of that sometimes that like this we're still kind of we're still in that yeah well you know this, uh, this just goes to show that this country uh, you know without um, definitely without provocation um, there's a lot of things in this country that still would be going on and would be legal to do um, no matter how despicable um, or morally wrong they'd be um, you know we've had to you know as, as black people we basically have had to have laws implemented just to vote be a citizen um, fair housing basic civil rights um, and all kinds of other things um, that I can't even think off the top of my head right now but now of course most recently as you mentioned the Crown Act which is I mean our hair is basically inherently who we are it's an entrenched part of our being um, and it's something that we don't necessarily have control over I mean we can style it we can do all kinds of things to it stuff like that but I'm talking about when you get down to the root of it as far as like the essence of who we are our hair is especially for black people it's it's definitely a it's 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 much more than just hair for us it's mm-hmm. like it's know, identity right yes yeah, it's, it's it's identity it's culture it's and it means so much more to us just because of the simple fact that it was something that was especially suppressed coming off the ships of Africa to America and other parts of the world where slavery was pre- um, prevalent is we couldn't have our hair exposed. That's why you see photos of um, young enslaved women with their head wraps mm. and things like that because it was seen as a sign of rebellion to you know, have your hair exposed and they never had the proper hair product for us to take care of our hair and stuff like that and right. over in Africa different tribes, different nations um, different communities, societies you would be distinguished through the appearance of your hair hairstyles um, it would show what nation, tribe you belong mm-hmm. to, what class you are a part of and all yeah. this type of stuff so very very important for us yeah um so it's and for you know for people to feel like they don't have to change who they are right especially within the workplace because there's a lot of um more so probably women right who have encountered issues where they feel like they have to change their hairstyle or wear their hair a certain way to not draw attention to themselves as right it's it's yeah. it's there 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 have been 
cases and lawsuits and other things um, related to, right, being told to cut your dreadlocks or, you know, not wear your hair a certain way. And it is, you know, wild to think about. It's that way in certain schools as well. In schools, yes. Yeah, there was that, or, I can't remember where that yeah, was. The kid who the had to cut off his dreads, right? was a wrestler uh, or, a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, yeah in the middle of I mean it's like it's just humiliation like what are you what are we doing we're humiliating we're degrading but yeah there can be a whole other conversation on on the significance of that alone um but we are here today to talk about the supreme court and the hearings that took place this past week for um, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Yes. There was a lot going on this week in those three days. Um, I mean, oh my goodness. For those that weren't paying attention or didn't see it, um, there's lots of clips of stuff that you can find um, from our favorite folks in the GOP who... um, said just completely outlandish things, asked ridiculous questions. Um, very unprofessional. Very unprofessional. And there's layers to that, right? There's the successful black female layer. There's the... Um, there's the... We're upset because Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett differently, so therefore we should treat you differently, layer. Um, there's the, there's really nothing we can find about you to truly pick apart, so we're just going to kind of grasp at straws here and find something, layer. Because there was a chart going around showing the current justices sitting on the court and their experience and qualifications and she had the most she had like every box checked i think right except for one like there's that there's one sliver and i can't remember what that sliver was like ivy league school she worked for supreme court she clerked she clerked she um, she, she was a public defender. Pu- she was the only defender. public she also defender. Went to public school as well. Yes, she did. Um, public school. Yes. Um. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so it was just it was a wild, wild three day, and it was only three days. It felt <laughs> they made it feel a lot longer because it was only three days. Yeah, it was only three days, but it was several hours within those oh, three days. It was days. like, t- one day was like 12 hours. Yes. It, it's just, and when you look at that, and people were making the comparisons to, you know, Hillary Clinton sitting there for about that long when they were talking about um, um, Benghazi. Benghazi and emails and this and that, and the same for um, for Judge Jackson, and you're just like, what are we doing here? Yeah, we have nothing. And basically, we're digging with a spoon. Yes. Um, and you know, we also can't forget the other factor of successful black women. Yes. Who um, 
has all the credentials and all the qualifications, mm-hmm. which are totally irreproachable. And so I'm sure that that wrangled them even more, the fact that they couldn't get anything on her and that she actually was a successful black woman who mm-hmm. came up and did it the hard way. And she came from a proud family who had to... um, Her parents, I know, were there the first day. I don't know if they were there for all of it, but I know they were there that first day. She came from a Jim Crow situation Mm -hmm. and never got the opportunities that their daughter currently have They went to segregated schools, I believe, her parents. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like... You, all of these guys that were questioning her um, don't have a leg to stand on. I'm sure a lot of them, too, have had spoons in their mouths, have had opportunities mm-hmm. where the door was just open summarily for them without any pushback. Um, no, no real substantial obstacles because they don't know obstacles the way Katanji Brown Jackson knows obstacles. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she still is in this moment, they were part of her obstacle. Mm. And the fact that she sat there with grace and professionalism and showed them how to do it and how to uh, conduct yourself even in the throes of slings and arrows and all kinds of bullshit, I believe even at that moment they were probably getting even more riled up because of the fact that the matter is they knew she belonged there, but they just could not confess that to themselves and their souls. And so I believe it just went to... It just went to show also the... uh, the mindset of many of these straight white males here in America, um, especially in those, those those positions, especially in the times that we are, in the political times we are, with you know Trump as a backdrop and all that type of stuff. And but she, nature, but the so. the other part of that too is that she also couldn't get angry, yeah, right? Definitely. Because the minute she, or she couldn't turned, show it. Right, well, right, right, right. The minute you show that emotion and get angry or raise your voice or whatever, we would have been hearing all about the angry black woman mm-hmm. and women are too emotional and ah, they can't, you know, if she can't handle this, she can't handle being on the court, right? And that would have been the narrative that would have just kept going. So as much as, you know, they kept trying to acknowledge her her demeanor and her character in the back of my mind I kept saying well yeah like she can't she can't go the other way because because society will not allow her to do that because it will negatively affect her in multiple ways if she does meanwhile right you juxtaposed against Brett Kavanaugh right losing his cool and throwing temper tantrums and doing all of that and nobody says anything yeah, the other way. people if they like beer and all those type right. of childish nonsense. You know, you can add like no, a instead she, instead she gets asked if babies are racist. Child. Right. And um, 
you know, there's no real repercussions for that. He still gets the red carpet to mm-hmm. the Supreme Court yep. bench. And, yep. um, I mean, if that doesn't go to show, <laughs> if, if that doesn't encapsulate or show a microcosm what America is and what yeah. it has been, then nothing does. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because it's all right there. Then nothing does. Um, and people just willfully ignorant and pretend that they don't know when they really do know. Because yeah. I guarantee that many of those people, those naysayers, if you said, would you trade places with this person uh-huh. or that person here in America, you would not. Because you know why? Because you know the conditions. You know the experiences of other people. At least have an idea of what they are. Um, so, you know, that's people who are disingenuous say, oh, we're all equal and we're in a post-racial society where I don't see color and this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, I call BS on that, um, rightfully so. But, you know, it's just sad that still that black people, black women in particular, in these corporate settings and political settings, business or what have you, have to always show that they're superwoman, that mm-hmm. they're like the strong black mm-hmm. woman, which is stressful, which is, is, you know, leaves no wiggle room nope. to show um, normal human emotions because if you're pushed, but so far, if you're pushed long enough, yeah, if you're prodded and poked and things like that, over time, you're going to have a natural reaction of, you know, striking back, yeah. whether that be physically or verbally, you know, because we all have a, a, a boiling point. Um, and when somebody's trying to trample on your dignity and self-worth, you know, you, you're you going to have what's coming to you. Um, yeah. So that's 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 the conundrum and the dilemma we always find ourselves in. Yeah, um, it's a constant game, and it's a it's a cruel game, but it's one that we always have to play. Yeah, and constantly code switch um, in order to survive and and thrive here in this wilderness. So, um, but props to to Miss Miss Jackson, <laughs> if <Yeah>. you're nasty. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> She she did what she had to do, and I know, and I could just see from the clips she knew what she was doing. She yep. knew what to expect. Yep. Um, yeah. From, well prepared for well, yeah, the nonsense. She was well yes. prepared. So 100%. this this adds another notch to her qualifications yep. um, to be where she's at to 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 go where she's going, even in the face of people like Josh Holly and Lindsey Graham Cruz. and Ted Cruz and and things like that. So. Um, Props to her. Yeah, personally. I um, you know, when she gave when she did her intro the first day, she touched on you know being a mom and motherhood, and um, spoke to her two daughters, and in it she said, um, "I know it has not been easy as I have tried to navigate the challenges of juggling my career and motherhood." And I fully admit that I did not always get the balance right, but I hope that you have seen that with hard work, determination, and love, it can be done. And 
You know, I think that resonated with a lot of working moms, including myself, because it is a it is a struggle for us. It is a struggle for us to kind of try to figure out how can we be successful in both parts of our life. Probably the two most demanding parts of of our lives, work and and home and you know, I consistently struggle with that myself. And I think when we look at it, when you kind of step back a little bit and you look at it, you see like for anyone who wants to be successful and move up and advance and get promoted and, and all of that, like you, there is a layer to that, right? You have to put yourself out there. You have to do what's expected of you and more and sometimes there's not a lot to give because you're just exhausted and I have felt tremendous amounts of guilt at times for feeling like I was giving too much of myself to work and not enough of myself to my child and vice versa and is a really hard thing to kind of go back and forth between those worlds and feel like you are a success at either. And and the dynamic with dads and that is so very different. And even though you guys want the same things, you want advancement, you want to get promoted and you want to make more money and all of that, the path is so very different for you. And and there isn't as much of that back and forth mental gymnastics, I think, because society looks at it differently. And that if you leave work early because you've got to be at your kid's baseball game, you're just being a good dad. You are you love your children. You're just being a good dad. But if I do that or a mom does that, oh, why is she leaving early? What's she doing? What's going on? Is all her work done? Is this happening? Is that happening? Can we get in touch with her? Is this going to be a problem? Is this going to be a regular thing? And then so much pressure. There's an insane amount of pressure that is put on on working moms. Yeah. I ain't going to argue with that. dynamics are different um, the expectations are different the, the compensations are yeah. different um, but you know hopefully this you know we'll, we'll see what this um, nomination is uh, yeah. ultimate election um, you know Katanji of her being a Supreme Court judge, like what that ultimately means. Yes. In other sectors, um, like does it open doors? Um, will we be stagnant? Will certain forces be ultra resistant? Um, uh, will she be seen as a threat? Um, and how? much fight will we have in us mm-hmm. and our children and children and all that like 
future generations, Generation Z, how much work are they going to put in as well? Um, and millennials and every kind of generation that is able to do something to have some kind of effect on how society moves and yeah. laws it implements are like, what are we going to do? Like, is it just going to be this moment that we're going to stay content? Are we going to be complacent? I sure hope not. You know, I think as the years go on, we need to find more resolve to make this world and this country in particular a much, much better place because there's so many nasty uh, counterproductive forces out there that want to either stay stagnant or regress back to the quote-unquote good old days. And it's funny when people say that because people who weren't even old enough to live in the quote-unquote good old days are striving to get back to what they don't even know about. They just go off of what they've read in books or seen in movies or all kind of propaganda, which has, of course, been perpetrated and um, pushed by certain parts of the right um, for, of course, power and monetary gain and all this type of stuff, yeah. which is, is um, you know, it's as old as the wheel, basically, is divide and conquer and to send out misinformation for the people who are most vulnerable um, and who are of course the uneducated in which of course that's what they love because if you're uneducated you're not willing to do the work and why would they want somebody who's willing to do the work and expose them for what they are yeah and um, you know so I just I, I just hope that um this 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 historic moment because we we also we can't forget that she I believe of the hundred and I don't know I think it's like hundred and fifteen Supreme Court justices there have been over the years since its inception that like she's like the only like there's been all but seven like white men on on the benches and might I add I believe she has probably the most qualifications out of all of them, if not like, if not yeah. close to all of them, like she has like way more qualifications. So if we just, you know, treat our other institutions and 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 and, and let wait, let me let me rewind this. Actually, also there's another thing that I want to address as well is. She's, she was qualified, but the thing that really got in my crawl was the fact that many people, conservatives and the right, were only concentrating on the fact that Biden, Joe Biden, said that he was planning on electing um, a black Choosing woman, a black woman yeah. for a judge. Mm. And it just it's just so funny that they chose to hang on to that, regardless of the fact that she just was qualified. Right. 
and she worked hard to get He's to where she was. She's just picking random black women. Yes, like that's, yeah. just out of nowhere. I'm just going to pick that black just woman, gonna that black woman. going to find someone who looks nice. And that's not the way it went. <laughs> and they try to equate that to say that somehow that was some form of racism against these poor white men who don't get a chance like mm-hmm. every other demographic and segment of society. And of course that couldn't be further from the truth, but once again, miseducation and 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 and, and fake grievance mm. seems to be the letter of the law and seems to be the the trend where people are getting mad over things in which you scratch your head and wonder what are you getting mad at you still got it good you still have yeah. had it good there's certain mm-hmm. experiences that you don't have to go through nope. and you never will nope. okay you, you you can't make up terms like reverse racism <laughs> you can't the fact that you have to qualify by the word reverse means that the default of racism is what is the people in power, namely white people, who have done historically oppressive and, 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 and suppressive things against other people, namely black people, Native Americans, Asian Americans, mm-hmm. Latinos, and the list goes on and on. Because they have been a dominant group here in this society and it's been run by this insidious thing called white supremacy. And so there is no way in which me as a black man or uh, uh, someone I know as a black woman is going to have any kind of uh, um, crazy effect on your way to navigate here in America to get this job, to get this position, to be able to do that uh, to, to pull you over for no reason and throw you in jail without any fair trial um or to lock you up for uh, possession of a little bit of marijuana and to keep you in jail for 10, 15 years and to have your whole life turned upside down to separate you from your family, uh, to be a victim of war and drugs, uh, to, to come up with a system for a, 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 a um, prison pipeline from schools to prisons, um, to affect where you live because of rent situations and and because of redlining Redlining. and things like that Mm -hmm. there's there's never been any moment in history where black people have done that to white people so it ain't no different now so you ain't a victim you never have been a victim and you never will be so we can stop this fake grievance and say that the election of uh, Katanji Brown Jackson is because of mere qualifications and you know this president just happened to be knowledgeable and know that at the very least we need to have some kind of representation of what America looks like and different viewpoints and things of that nature and that includes having a black woman as part of the bench and that's that and I mean and to be fair right like there's no Asian American representation on that bench either Mm, right? right like like, it doesn't have to stop there. Right. Like, there's, right? So, like, it's... And also, real quick, it's also the fact that he verbalized it. Well, right. Because right. the it's, thing is, throughout the history, thing. is like, wouldn't we just 
see with our eyes at a hundred and something odd men that's that's some kind of quote unquote affirmative action because it goes without saying and we always take it for granted that he should elect a white man now the fact that you well because it's called out as right not just woman right black woman right and we see that it's just been white men so Mm -hmm. the fact that he said black women oh my god how dare you don't you see what the trend is? Don't you see you what see we should be CRT, going with? CRT, CRT, CRT. It's, it's, so it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's a bunch of hypocrisy. According to Ted Cruz, there's books that say babies are racist. So, you know, it's like, this is what's happening. <laughs> Nonsense. I would also like to say, if you have not watched Cory Booker's time during the hearing you should you know I think I think it is is monumental for a few reasons one he's the only black representation up there right during this the during the hearing but also he was very aware of what was going on with the questioning the line the line of questioning how things were being framed the types of stuff that were being asked and he was very aware of that and he was also giving her time to just reset just sit not have to answer nonsense right like i I think it was very it was very um um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Cathartic? No, um, deliberate. His, his oh. it, it was deliberate. He, you know, he, I think he went in there with like, nah, I need to get, she needs, one, she needs the she affirming was, it was and very like the, I it was, and, it was and, like he wrapped his arms around her. Yes. So I got you. Yes. And they all tried to break her. But the person that made her emotional was him. Like, visibly emotional, I should say. Visibly emotional. And, you know, that is very, very significant. Because that is a that was a moment. And you can't, like, I'm sorry, but, like, you can't watch that and not feel something. I don't, I don't know. Like, I was, like, choking up, too. I mean, it depends on who you are. Well, yes, but, you know, I I just, I really, I sat there and watched it and was like, wow, yeah, this is, this is powerful. Yes, because he acknowledged, he said, regardless of... You deserve to be here. Regardless of what we as black people have had to overcome here in this country, we always find a way to find black joy. That's one phrase he uses, black black joy. joy. He Mm -hmm. said... Yeah. Don't let them steal that away from you. Don't let them take that from you. They can do mm-hmm. all this talking and throwing this and that and whatever, whatever, but you're going to have this force field around you, yep. and it's that black joy. Because you know that regardless of what they say and what they're trying to do and however they're trying to portray you, you're still going to be up there. You're going to be up there. And you're probably going to be one of the... um essential figures or pivotal figures who are actually going to be judging over one of a case that may mm-hmm. affect them or what have you and yeah and things of that nature and you know so 
that was very profound for me mm-hmm. and it was beautiful and it was just the fact that he kind of just like it it just felt very warm and nourishing and genuine to me it was just like a beautiful moment that <clears throat> he was considering her feelings and yeah. he was knowing what she was going through and what she had to endure and just came in like a big teddy bear kind of yeah. it was just like I got you. Don't even yeah. worry about it. Like I was, I was observing from the side. That's a good way to describe and it. And yeah. he was essentially like the relief pitcher. Yeah. You know, he was, um, you know, so it was beautiful. And it's just, I, I just love that sense of, um, camaraderie and mm-hmm. unity and things like that. Yeah. Like it almost felt for a moment, like they were the only two in the room. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was very, very nice. Yeah. Um, it was a great moment. And also to see the proud, moment and the and the, the the look on her daughter's face yes. in that mm-hmm. viral picture you seeing her mom she just with such mom pride like, and love and absolute. admiration yeah so yeah. that's you know. that's the look i think every parent kind of wants at some point right like for mm-hmm. their child to just look at them and be like wow mm-hmm Cause she was there too. That's she's seen mom. what they're going That's through, my dad. Yeah. seen what she's went through, yeah. and how she handled herself, and was like, "Yo, you ain't letting these motherfuckers." No. Mess and even you like her, up. I could see even her husband right. reacting to things yeah. too. And it's just like, yeah, like it's really hard. Mm. It's really hard to sit there and not have a reaction, especially when you know you're the one sitting back watching it happen, and you can't actually mm-hmm. say anything. You can't jump up. You can't right defend you can't do any of that and you have to sit there and listen to this stuff being thrown at someone you care so much about and love and it's just like you you can't you Mm. cannot do anything and and seeing both of them um in those moments yeah it was yeah yeah her husband was crying a lot too (laughs) he was very emotional and i think you know that is just it's also just significant because it's just showing the support, the love, the respect, the all of that for your partner. And that, you know, clearly, because this stuff, going through these sorts of things, like, it's not just her. It's, a, it's the, fa- the entire family mm-hmm. is going through it, right? It is a process for everyone. It is an adjustment. It is a change. There's a lot there. And your family is just as important in getting you to that point and me helping you and navigating and being that support system. And so, you know, it's just, yeah. It's great to have that bedrock. It's just nice to see that they're like um, human beings, right? You know? Yeah. It's basically the essence of it is just... Yeah. They're all human, and they just have a human moment, and mm-hmm. you know, just um, kind of leaving the. It, it, it just felt like it was leaving the politics behind at mm. that time. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. It was just. Um, it wasn't even about politics. It was just yeah. reveling in the moment mm-hmm. and enjoying it, and just letting it wash over you. So yeah. that I could appreciate. A hundred percent agree. Beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, next step: confirmation. Yes. So let's make sure that happens. 
So that'd be the true, true historic moment. Cause that's when yeah. it's like actually happening. Yep. So when does it happen? few months or is it a month well she wouldn't if she's confirmed she wouldn't be hearing i think the latest cases that are coming mm-hmm. right it would be later in the year um i don't know what the timeline is um let's see let's see we're trying to look it up right <laughs> but I'm I'm wanting to say sometime next month or within two months. Um, they are hoping to move swiftly, the Senate Democrats, um, with to a confirmation vote by the full Senate by early next month. Which I mean, oh. next month starts on Friday, okay. so you know. Um, okay. The Judiciary Committee is expected to vote on the nomination on April 4th. So, fingers crossed on that. They, I mean, I don't, yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. That's what we got. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Um, and stay tuned. We will hopefully have some more episodes coming out in the coming weeks. We'll try to keep up with this a little bit better than we have been. Give some more time and focus on this. But we appreciate you um, tuning in and listening, downloading, all that, telling your friends. You know, you know how it goes. Later. <laughs> well, I am Nicole. I'm Earl. We're the Poisers, and this was the mix-up. Yeah.